This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. Hey, they say that they win in, but Drive the Lane. Here we are on the Zedia Network. Big time news since we last talked. A lot of stuff going on. NBA playoffs. NFL is back. College football is back. We don't know what's going on with the Big Ten, but we will get into all of that on today's episode. Of course, today's episode is sponsored by Todd Pennington with Revolution Mortgage. We love Todd. He's our guy. He's the best. You need to reach out to Todd right now if you're looking to refinance. Joey, are you listening right now? All I can think about is is you say Todd, and all I can think about is Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah, so you need to call Todd, 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 Todd. All right? Todd Pennington with Columbus-based Revolution Mortgage. He is the best. If you're looking to refinance into a very competitive low rate, or if you want to cash out for debt consolidation or home improvements, now is the time with historically low rates historic i'm talking like there's an nba there's basketball being played in a bubble there's no nfl fans this is more historic than that the low rates give todd pennington a call at 614-390-9520 or visit revolutionmortgage.com slash t pennington for more info revolution mortgage is an equal housing lender nmls id 1686046 joey Let's talk some NBA here for a second. Yeah. My, uh, we know my, it's football season. First of all, Zoldan is the guy. He's the football guy. I'm not. I'm not. Um, uh, it's basketball season until the basketball season is over because that game, game one, we just watched Boston versus um, Boston versus who cares? Uh, no, the Heat. <laughs> um, and the Heat stole that game. Just, uh, I mean – Jimmy Butler made big shot after big shot, and then Bam Adebayo blocked the entire city of Boston um, on that block in the game. I literally can't get over that because I'm looking at the replay, and he's not even in the lane when Jason Tatum is taking off, and then he comes out of nowhere and blocks it with his left hand. Like, that is so hard to do. It's just insane. There's a reason why he's, he's an all-defensive team player. but like, And wow. there's a reason why he goes by Bam, because his real name yeah. is Idris, all right? But he goes by Bam. Originally, it was because of Bam Bam, the Flintstone. But I think now it's officially because Bam, Jason Tatum, you're not finishing that dunk. Wait. I mean, you're probably right. Um, I think think one of us – I think one of us has a bet from a month ago, more than a month ago, that the Heat would, you know, come out of the East. It looks like that could happen. Looks like we could cash in and uh, maybe buy ourselves a couple drive-the-lane shirts, a couple – Couple don't, towel gang shirts. Don't count your chickens before they hatch, young Andrew, because the Celtics had no business losing that game. If you're a Celtics fan, obviously you're pissed, but like Kemba was bad. They scored three points in the last like three minutes of the game. Like you, how many games are you gonna win doing that? You know. So, um, and one of the how, one of the how'd the Raptors the, do tonight? How'd the Raptors do tonight? They didn't play. How did uh? How did uh, sideline cancer do in yeah. round one? Yeah, that's that's a little um, throwback joke for us right there. Um, let's see. I'm I'm watching, uh, peering over my shoulder to watch the Nuggets Clippers. I think the Nuggets are gonna win, um, just because the momentum and it just because because 2020 is bizarre. So it's just another bizarre thing. Um, shout out intern Jack. Shout out intern Jack. Um, exactly. And the Nuggets are winning right now after one quarter, but. Um, Lou Williams has braided his hair, so that means he is going to stay for a while. So maybe the Clippers are going to. Um, oh, breaking, breaking news about the Big Ten. Stop. Breaking – just kidding. Oh, that's so – we're recording this late, 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 late Tuesday night, right? I mean, we've waited all this time to record in case the Big Ten makes an announcement and then Andrew's just going to do that. Breaking news out of the Big Ten. Well, funny, a funny drive the lane story that that makes me think of is one time we were recording and we recorded a whole episode and we talked about Luther Muhammad's impact on the basketball team for this year and Jimmy Sotos's upcoming decision. And then like four hours later, Jimmy Sotos committed and Luther Muhammad entered the transfer portal. Yeah. So we scrapped that whole episode and had to redo it. 
But yeah. yeah, as we were saying, there's no Big Ten football yet. So all we really have is living in the past. And we're living in the past by living in the present and watching these Ohio State players play in the NFL. Joey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some stats. Yeah, hit me. Some notable Buckeyes in the NFL this weekend. All right, Damon Arnett debut. Solid game, three solo tackles, two assisted. You know, you'd like to see a little more from there, but still, not bad. All right, Jerome Baker, 16 tackles. All right, and a sack. Career high. Von Bell, eight tackles. All right, the Bosa brothers, 11 combined tackles. We're we're expecting – we're – we're used to seeing like fifty combined tackles it's from the Bosa brothers. For, I mean, if they're not a lot. I mean, if they're they're defensive ends. They're getting double and triple team. Like they're not. Yeah, the job's but, not to to tackle people. Um, Joey had a sack. Nothing from Nick. Yeah, I did. Harris Campbell breakout game, seventy-one yards. I will be picking him up in fantasy. I think. J.K. Dobbins and this pierced my heart. J.K. Dobbins. Only 20 yards on seven carries, but two of those seven carries went for touchdowns. So two touchdowns for a J.K. kid. All he had uh, to do, the all they had to do was they could have stopped the game after J.K. scored two touchdowns. The game was over. After he scored they could one. have stopped the game after he scored one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's pretty crazy. J.K. Dobbins beat the Browns. That's a bummer. Ezekiel Elliott, 125 total yards, two touchdowns. Nothing new with that. Jordan Fuller, huge debut. 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 Eight total tackles, including that game-saving one. I'm trying to look what else. Nothing else was really uh, – nothing too noticeable. Uh, Chase Young had a great debut with two tackles, one and a half sacks. Nothing else really of note. Nothing too big. Carlos Hyde had a touchdown. Sam Hubbard had a big game, bunch of tackles. The Buckeyes in the NFL are, are, are pretty damn good, and it's something that we – oh, and Joe Burrow had that cool touchdown, yeah. and that kind of counts. Do I, the only other thing I guess is Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin, obviously, they, they won. That's a big deal, you know? So, and it's Terry McLaurin's birthday when we're recording this, so shout-out to putting in reverse Terry. Mina Kimes will tell you QB wins are not a stat. Okay, I, I the fact that the fact that they won the game is worthy to mention. It is worthy. It is worthy to mention. But if if you were if you were to like in a few weeks look back at this, you wouldn't you wouldn't be like, wow, what an amazing game from Dwayne Haskins. Hundred like seventeen for thirty one for one hundred seventy eight yards and touchdown. Seventeen for thirty one is is not very good. Nope, um, but but uh, most nope. of it was in the second half. I think he started like three for 13. So a lot of his incompletions were, were you know, first game jitters, new coach. His coach is getting a freaking IV at halftime, and they're coming out and winning the game. I guess that's remarkable. No, I know. I'm saying that's in- incredible. I mean, it's ins- – I mean, imagine imagine waking up and being like, oh, this guy is coaching professional football at the highest level. Like, okay, I can go out and go for a run this morning now. Like, this, the, the, the dude's coaching the highest level with, with cancer, getting an IV at halftime. Makes you feel like, geez, I could do anything, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, Ron Rivera, also Buckeye note, notable <laughs> football yeah. guy. That one IV at halftime. So, we got to talk a little NFL, talk about our Browns, talk about our Bears. But uh, – we're going to leave most of the NFL talk to our guest today, which is Robert Mays, because he is an NFL <laughs> analyst, genius. We were asking him questions, and he was going on long rants answering them. But he was very smart, very knowledgeable. Can't say enough about Robert Mays. Uh, Joey, say something nice about Robert Mays. R- Robbie Mays, he's wearing a Cubs hat during the interview. That was very good. Uh, if you can't find him, must be a difficult maze. Dumb? Terrible. Terrible? Terrible. You got some bad jokes. That is so bad. It'd be a good maze if you can't find him. Joey, let's hear about your bears. What did you think? No, no, no. We should talk – we should go, you know, bad news first, not good news. All right. Well, first, a little just neutral news, but we're both happy about it. The Washington football team, you can pick up the shirt, zedia.com, shop. 
you know, we were very happy about that. The Washington Thrilled. Buckeyes. So, so happy. So, so darn happy. Uh, but not happy about the Browns, who I have been on record saying I'm not a Baker believer anymore. He can still prove me wrong, but right now he's proven me right. And we are a pro-Baker podcast. Not, but I not feel anymore. like you just. I feel like no. I feel like we're turning into a pro Baker the person podcast, but not Baker the player. I love the progressive commercials. You love that he was a walk on, but I don't know if I love him being the quarterback for my team. Yeah, I mean, luckily for me, I have you know a, a much simpler you know equation at quarterback. I we have a franchise quarterback, so um, uh, you know it's a little. Obviously, it's a little bit easier for me. I can't put myself in your shoes where it's like oh, the quarterback is in question of my team? Like, that's – I don't have to even think about that. So, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> my, my prediction is that the Bears and the Browns, because – and Robert Mace gets into this. You know, there's teams above the Bears and the Browns that are probably going to finish worse and need a quarterback. But I could see a potential bidding war between the Bears and the Browns trying to move up to get Justin Fields as the second quarterback off the board. I think that is a reality that – that the two of us will be living in eventually. Why would we – we already have the, the second pick in, a, in, a, in the draft a few years ago and a Super Bowl MVP right now on our roster. Why would we get another quarterback? True. And, we, and, the, and the Browns have the quarterback from the Minneapolis Miracle game. So we don't need another quarterback either. So we're both fine. Okay, yeah. So then what, are you, what is your theory? That's a dumb theory then. True, dumb theory. I <laughs> guess – I guess – and the Washington Buckeyes have a quarterback, too. So, none of our teams that we cheer for need quarterbacks. Yeah, I cheer really hard for the Washington Buckeyes. So, like, really hard. So, yeah. I, I painted my face red or maroon, whatever their color is, maroon and gold. That's and, awesome. Good for you. Um, you want to talk more about how your feelings towards the Browns and then I can get on my high horse about the Bears because they're 1-0 and they won't have this good of a – win percentage the rest of the year obviously so I'd like to just ride off in the sunset for this week but and then and you can feel free to, to to gloom it up first and then I'll just hit you with some I think I think I'm done I think I'm done talking about the Browns potentially ever uh I called my brother today and told him if we start 0-4 I'll be finding a new team so that's where I am with the Browns they've never the last time they started the season with a win we were in I think kindergarten Shout out, shout out, Miss Lasco. So, if you had to pick a team, a new team right now, who would it be? No, no comment, no answer. I need more time to decide. I'm going to put the hats out. Um, luckily for me, the, the best team in the in the NFL, so I don't have to pick another team. They'll be good for a long, long time. Um, but if I did, I would, my team would be the Titans because um, they won me a fantasy football championship last year. I love Derrick Henry, and I love Vrabel, so that's who I would root for. Um, but, no, the Bears, it was a little glum. It was a little bad, a little, a little negative the first three quarters. If you saw my friend's group chat, I mean, we were um, – not really me. I mean, I would say, like, God, they stink. Like, would the Bears beat my fantasy team? You know, stuff like that, because my fantasy team's terrible. Um, but – Stuff like that, but my friends are like, "Oh my God, we need to, we need to cut Mitch Wise and Foles in. Let's burn down the city of Chicago." They're just every, I mean, like fire Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy stinks, all the stuff. And then out of nowhere, we turn this beautiful corner that is the fourth quarter, where Mitchell Trubisky goes from Mitchell Trubisky of old to Dan Marino, and throws three touchdown passes, and and they're. All three touchdown passes, there was some crazy stat where there were all less than one yard of, um, like, open space between the, the defender and the receiver or whatever. And so that means he was making perfect passes. And basically we went from, oh, my God, hopefully we win four games this year, to, oh, my God, we're Super Bowl favorites. So it's pretty good. I feel pretty good. I think – I will say this is me not being realistic at all. Realistically – Mitch was looked like garbage the whole game, and it's I feel bad because nothing's changed. But what I'm very hopeful because as you'll hear in the Robert Mays interview, I want to root for Mitch. Like I'm not a negative guy, you know. No one should root against Mitch, um, but like I'm just praying that this 
that end to the game, which if you didn't see it, it was just insane. We had no business winning that game. Um, propels him and gives him some confidence and gives the team confidence to, to rally around him and, and maybe run off a few wins or whatever. I mean, we're not going to extend our best offensive weapon in Allen Robinson. He just requested for a trade. So that's, that's a whole different story. We've got the whole – all the players and all the fans are tweeting, like, extend Allen Robinson with, like, Brinks trucks gifts and stuff, and nothing's happening. So that's something to monitor. But overall, I mean – I'm through the moon. My cousin is getting married in October, and he sent me pictures of some suits and stuff, and one had orange trim in the inside because of the Bears. I was like, get that one. Go Bears. So yep. there you go. Shout out, shout out Danny Lane. I want, to, I want to play this quick little segment slash game. All right? Yep. This is just off the top of my head that I just thought of. All right? And don't say Mitch is the answer. You're, you're building a franchise, and, it, and you, get, you get two picks. Okay? Trubisky and – Mitchell Trubisky. No, no, you get two picks. One is a non-Ohio State NFL player, and one is. Okay. You have two picks. Don't actually say Mitch. Why can't I say Mitch? Because okay. it's annoying okay. to say I Mitch. I have two picks. Yeah. I'll take Patrick Mahomes and Michael Thomas. Interesting. No, neither of the uh, – no, no defense. No, you, we saw last year that defense doesn't win the championship, man. Well, it gets you there. Dude, they were down 20, 27 to nothing or whatever, and then they won. Oh, I, was talking, I was talking about the 49ers, who oh. were the best defensive team that got the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's definitely Mahomes, and then if you have to take a Buckeye, I guess either – Michael Thomas, Zeke, or, or one of the Bosa brothers is the you easy. You know, like in this day and age of the NFL, like what? Who is the dominant defensive and on the on the on NFL champions in years past? Like I can't even name. Like you know what I mean? Like Aaron Donald's not winning a Super Bowl. Not I mean, they lost. They lost by like four points in the Super Bowl. And go- I'm just saying, like I'm not. I don't want to build my. I don't. If I like, I don't know. I'm not going to take a running back because we've seen that, like, you know, who was the running back on the Chiefs last year? You know, like, running backs. And and the San Francisco 49ers had four running backs that they played last year, you know? Yeah, so, but, I mean, the the Chiefs also had Frank Clark on defense, which which was huge. I mean, if you could get Mahomes and then also a good defensive player, I well, think. Yeah, so, who are you taking? I'm I'm taking one of the Bosa brothers and then Mahomes. And I'm, flipping, I'm flipping a coin. I'm flipping a coin. Got to pick one. That's like asking me to pick one of my kids. Nick Bosa is better. We would pick Nick Bosa. He's better. Why is no, that we so had long? a better year last year. Nick Bosa's better. It's so close, dude. Why is it close? Because they're because, brothers? Because of stats? No, nah, Nick Bosa's better. Wait, also that kind of goes against what you were just saying, that you can't win the Super Bowl with the uh, dominant defensive player. We win. win. Yeah, but they were in the Super Bowl. Defense doesn't win you the Super Bowl. I'm not saying it can't win you the Super Bowl. I'm saying if I'm choosing, I would rather have offensive guys than defensive guys. Two, you'd rather have two offensive guys than one and one. Yeah. In this scenario, yeah. I mean, if you told me you could pick anyone in the NFL, I don't, I don't know. Uh, that would be so hard. Well, how far is, is Nick Bosa behind He's Donald? Not, but if there was an unbelievable middle linebacker, like a Ray Lewis – then I would probably take Ray Lewis, you know, Ray Lewis in his prime and Mahomes. That's why, because well, that's a that's not the game. I'm just saying. I'm just letting you know that that's the only way I would take a defensive guy is if there was a middle linebacker, insane leadership, insane, Hall of Fame, like first ballot Hall of Famer. Like that's the only way I would take someone on defense. I'd say I'd say that a defensive superstar is more likely to win a Super Bowl than a superstar wide receiver. When's the last time a team won a Super Bowl and the, and the best player is a wide receiver? Well, no, team, no team's best player is the wide receiver. Right, so why would you use your second pick on a wide receiver? Because I have the greatest quarterback in the NFL and the greatest wide receiver. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, but you could plug in a different wide receiver that would be almost just as good. And then – so, like Sammy Watkins last year was was incredible. 
Obviously, Tyree Kill was good, but well, why? But based on my theory, why why wouldn't I pick a, the best wide receiver instead of? Well, but your theory your theory is that a defensive player cannot win a Super Bowl. Your de- a defensive player can't be the best player on the Super Bowl team. Nick Bosa helps you win a Super Bowl more than Michael Thomas. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I just, I just, I. Absolutely, Nick Bosa over Michael Thomas. Offense, bro. I'm all offense all the time. All right, fair enough. But you could have both. You could have it all. You could have one of the. You could have the NFL. best player in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes. I, I know he could, but he doesn't throw it to himself. So. Yeah, but you're not playing two-on-two because if it was two-on-two, obviously you would take Mahomes and, and Michael Thomas. But if you're building a team, you would take Mahomes and then a defensive player on the other side, for sure. Your for sure is not my for sure. I think, I think that's a mistake. Sue me. I think, I, I, think I would take Marshawn Lattimore before I'd take a defensive end. Really? Yeah. That's interesting also. Just saying. That's interesting. I definitely would not take a wide receiver. Just a thought from a sports fan like myself or whatever LeBron's hashtag was. Yeah. God, I wish we came up with this. We could have asked Robert Mays, but we would have – he probably wouldn't have cared about, like, the Buckeye specific. He would have said – he's a smart guy. He would have said Mahomes and Michael Thomas. There's no way he would have said Michael Thomas. There's Maybe no way. He actually might not have even said Mahomes. He's probably would have been like, uh, give me Deshaun Watson and Denzel Ward. And he would have had a huge explanation why. And it would sound so smart. Deshaun Watson over Mahomes. Come on. Yeah, no. That's a bad example. He said maybe, he, maybe he'd pick maybe he'd pick Mitch over Deshaun Watson and Mahomes. No, only an idiot would do that. <laughs> My quarterback, baby. Mitch, 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 Mitch. All right, should we get to Robert Mays? Is that a good transition? <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I don't like talking football. Let's get to Robert Mays. All right, well, that sucks because it's football season and there's only four NBA teams left. Ooh, one thing we forgot, the battle for South Dakota is coming and Ohio State is going to win it. Yeah, basketball season's on the horizon again. We're going to have basketball for literally months and months and months. I think you – I don't know if you understand that. Longer than football lasts. We've had basketball since, what, April or whatever, or May, July? It was July. Since July, and we'll have it all the way until March. But we will have a break. We will have a break. When? Well, if you're counting the May, then we're going to have it probably for the next year nonstop. Isn't the championship in October for this? Yeah. So, so we will have like two weeks of a break because they're right. But then there's not going to be another break again because the NBA season is going to be pushed back to December and it'll go. And the draft will be in October, so basketball is not going anywhere. Basketball's back. College basketball's back. Basketball never left. <laughs> All right, let's get to interview with Robert Mays because we'll let him do the football talking. All right, joining us now on Drive the Lane, Robert Mays of The Athletic. His NFL show comes out today, too, so when you're done listening to this, head on over there to listen to that, even though you've probably already listened to that. Robert, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. No, absolutely, guys. Happy to do it. I, uh, trust me, I know all about being on podcasts, doing podcasts. It's been an adventure so far, trying to book guests and everything else with the show being new, so... Happy to be on, happy to talk football. I, I spend most of my waking hours doing it. We're hoping to, you know, ask you some some football-type questions that maybe you're not as typically used to answering. I'm ready, yeah. man. That sounds great. <laughs> but I'm going to start you off with this, which is interesting. So we got two guys at completely different points of their career, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, but they both made a different type of debut last weekend. What were your thoughts on the two of them? I think that the Bucks are going to be all right. You know, they look shaky in some areas, but I think that that's just, I mean, the second pick to Evans is a communication thing. I feel like, you know, Brady, or excuse me, that was the first pick. Second one, that's just Brady making a throw he probably shouldn't make. But I thought Brady played fine. You know, that throw to Godwin early in the game, that little play action throw where he hit him on the corner, the fact that he can still make those throws, 
goes. It's a lot of moving pieces. You know, you have a new right tackle. You have a quarterback that's at the same system for 20 years going to do something different. There's going to be growing pains. It's the exact type of team you would expect not to hit the ground running. Also, Evans, one, is hurt. Two had a good play against Marcus Lattimore the entire day. So that's never an easy thing. I feel like when all the pieces kind of come together, they're going to be fine. I'm not worried about Tom Brady. I'm honestly, from that game, more worried about the Saints offense than I am about the Bucks offense because they did not look good. You lose Michael Thomas now for I don't know how long. I've talked about like four Ohio State guys already on this show. You guys are probably <laughs> – it's a good start. So, And you lose Michael Thomas, and they already didn't look explosive. So I, I think the Bucs are going to be fine. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried about what them, them whatsoever. When I looked, looked at Joe Burrow, I wasn't surprised necessarily by their approach. I think it's twofold. You know, they really try to get the ball out of his hands quickly, a lot of short throws. And that makes sense when you consider – the Bengals offensive line going against the Chargers front. You don't want to get him killed. And that's just something you see from young quarterback. A lot of, most of the time, you're going to have coaches kind of scheme, short throws, quick throws, easy throws for a guy playing his first NFL game. So I think you're coming at that approach from two different directions. And I thought he played fine. You know, there's nothing spectacular, but I wasn't disappointed either. It was just kind of like, okay, that makes sense. That's what I would expect from a guy playing against that defense, that front in his first NFL game. So, obviously, you look at up and down the whole slate of games, there was definitely some sloppy football, whether it was on offense, whether it was on defense, which is as expected considering the, the lack of training camp, the lack of practice, whatever you want to call it. What do you think suffers most, you know, with having no preseason of any kind, basically? I think timing between quarterbacks and receivers and understanding tendency, when guys are going to break routes off, when they're not. You know, you, there was a couple – not even more than a couple, I think probably a few in every game, where you're thinking, what was even happening there? You know, guys throwing the ball 20 yards over somebody's head. Throws that look terrible, but in reality aren't terrible. There was a decent amount of that. I also think that communication, you know, on the offensive line and in the secondary, those continuity and familiarity matter the most. And I'm thinking about the Eagles game, for example. You know, you have a new right tackle. You have to bring somebody else in. You have a new right guard with Brandon Brooks, Brooks out. And the Washington was just sending pressure after pressure, and they really had no answer for it. And then a lot of stuff just passing off routes. You know, I think that the Vikings played like a team that had a young secondary that hadn't played together. You know, they really weren't playing with any sort of assertiveness. So offensive line and secondary, just because those pieces have to work together, you have to kind of know what each other are thinking. And when you haven't played together, even especially if the unit is new, but also if you haven't really practiced together, I think that's where you're going to see the cracks most. So a team that looked like they've never even played football at all is my Cleveland Browns. And, you know, I'm not a guy that says bench Baker right now, but I am a guy, and Joey can, can back me up with this. I said going into the season, we're going to see Case Keenum this year. I'm confident in that. Is that a bit of an overreaction right now? I think it's an overreaction after week one, but I will say that the team I was most disappointed in, just in terms of what I hoped they would look like and what they looked like in week one, and the unit, more even more specifically, was the Browns offense. Because when I watched Baker last year, I saw somebody that struggled with a feel for the game. Or drifting in the pocket, patting the ball, seeing the rush, staring it down. He just didn't look like somebody who was comfortable at any point. And it's hard to know where you divvy up blame for that, right? Is that the coaching staff? Is that him? How, where are those lines drawn? And I came down pretty strongly on the side of, I did not think they had a cohesive approach on offense, and I think he failed to kind of settle in. When they hired Stefanski, and I assumed that they would run the offense that Stefanski ran last year, something similar to it, a lot of those principles, that Shanahanian, Kubiak, outside zone, play action. I love that offense. And one of the reasons that I love it, it, it puts quarterbacks in structure. It gives them defined choices. And it really lifts the floor of most quarterbacks because you just got to throw it to the right guy. The, the plays are going to be there. The space is going to be there. And I wanted to see him within that structure and wanted to see him making more defined choices, playing more assertively. And he wasn't. He was still uncomfortable. He was still drifting. He was still patting the ball, still seeing the rush way more than he should. And that worries me because I think that's the type of stuff that if you have those bad habits and they become ingrained in who you are as a quarterback – it's hard to get out of them no matter what sort of structure is propping you up. So unless that stuff starts to change, I'm a little bit concerned. 
So let's stay on the Browns for a sec because obviously Andrew's Browns fan. A lot of Browns fans listen to the podcast. I thank God I'm not a Browns fan. Um, but <laughs> some other rumors out of Browns camp is that they're they're shopping Odell. Um, what do you think about that? It, the what the experiment that has been Odell Beckham Jr. with the Browns. Do you see that relationship getting any better? What, like I don't even know what what is going on. That's the best I, I, rumor we've heard about Odell, though, in the last few weeks. So I'm fine hearing trade rumors over the other ones. I'm going to let that one go. The, I, I am a little bit concerned in the sense that it hasn't really worked out for him at any point. It's not as if you had these flashes last year where it's all right, maybe if they get something going. It's never happened. I mean, outside of that touchdown, he's quit against the Jets in like week two on Monday night. What is the best Odell Beckham moment in all? on the Browns. What moment and what place during last season where you're like, okay, if they just work out this little thing or that's that little thing, this is going to be okay. Both physically, he doesn't look as explosive. The timing with Baker looks totally off in every single respect. So I'm concerned. I was, I'm completely wrong about that deal. I was very excited about it. I think I thought that he was one of the true like franchise changing offensive players in the league where he was just spectacular and that if you dropped him on an offense, it was just going to take it to a different level. And he just hasn't been that guy in Cleveland. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been frustrating as a, as a Browns fan to watch. You know, last kind of thing we'll say about them before I get annoyed and want to just end the interview. <laughs> but I think every, every throw that Baker makes, I think it's going to be incomplete. I have absolutely zero confidence. Yeah. And part of that is because of how good I think Chubb is and how good I think a lot of people Chubb how good a lot of people think Chubb is. So every time he throws versus handing it off to Chubb, it's just double angry. But moving on to another team that a lot of people care about is our favorite team, the the Washington Buckeyes with uh, <laughs> Gary Terry, Dwayne Haskins, and, and Chase Young. That debut, a win, are they hitting their ceiling right now? it's just one of those things where you talk about tanking in the NFL or, you know, teams that are going to be really bad. It's just a reminder of how compressed the level of talent in the NFL really is. Like the worst players and the worst teams are still pretty close to the best teams. At any given week, it's going to happen. It's not like basketball. And you, you drop the best five guys and the worst five guys and you put them on separate teams. The best five guys are always going to win. Football is so schematic and it's such an effort-based thing. Put guys in the right spots. They're talented enough to make something happen. And I just thought that the defensive game plan and overall the defensive coaching on Washington's side was incredible. And those the defensive backs for Washington consistently being able to account for the deep ball that Philly was trying to go to every single time, it felt like, while also being able to make breaks on the ball. That's a hard thing to hit. It's a really hard middle ground to be able to do well consistently. You have to know what you're looking for. And I thought they did a fantastic job the entire game. And just the confidence of Jack Del Rio, who's had one hell of an interesting offseason, and Ron Rivera kind of understanding we're going to keep bringing heat. We're going to keep coming. We're not going to let up because if we can beat them, it's up front and we know it. I think a lot of teams, the Pittsburgh is, is a great example of this too. Last year, they brought five at the highest rate in the league. And you would think, well, why would you do that if you have such a good pass rush? Why would you send extra bodies? That's understanding how to get the most out of your pass rush. Don't just rely on it. Make it so you're dictating the game. And I think that's what Washington did. I think they easily could have sat there and said, we're going to come with four because we trust our four guys to beat your five guys consistently because of the injuries you have. Instead of doing that, they were like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to bring heat all game, and we're going to just consistently keep you uncomfortable even though we trust our pass rush. And I like that. I thought it was a distinct, distilled, really aggressive game plan that worked out for them. So a lot of people share the same opinions for guys like Chase Young, Terry McLaurin. People think they're studs. Dwayne Haskins, obviously, it's varied. Um, the Ohio State Buckeye faithful obviously has his back. The rest of the world, probably not. Where do you fall on that? I think that he showed plenty at the end of last year to get a real shot at this. This isn't Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville, where if you're a really bad team and you end up with a top five pick, if the quarterback is there, let's say it's Justin Fields and you're the Jaguars, you take him. I, I don't even think you consider a difference because as good as Gardner Minshew has looked, and I think he's a really fun quarterback, it's, the ceiling is just so much lower 
than what a truly gifted quarterback can give you. And I don't think that's the situation with Haskins. I feel like if he plays decent and you get enough out of him within that Scott Turner offense, which I think is going to be really well designed, I think they're going to get the most out of their talent. I think it's going to be a really good just barometer for how to judge Dwayne Haskins' second season. I feel like that's enough. I, he has shown enough flashes that I think at the end of the season, he absolutely could come away as the future starter in Washington in a way that it doesn't always happen for other rebuilding teams. Agreed. Definitely agree. So what, what, uh, which teams do you think are in and outside of Jacksonville, which you kind of said are in like tank mode slash we're going to be drafting a quarterback already going into the season at this stage? I think that's hard to say because I think there are going to be some teams that expected to be better that aren't going to be better. Like the Jets are a really good example, right? So I think the Jets could be a 3-13 and 13 team. It would not surprise me. I think Buffalo is really good. Uh, that game is not indicative of what's going to happen all season. I also think reading a lot into week one is dangerous. But let's say the Jets end up at 3-13 and 13 and they get the first overall pick. Why wouldn't you draft Trevor Lawrence? Because Joe Douglas was not the guy who drafted Sam Darnold. He has no ties to Sam Darnold. And as bad as I think Adam Gase is, at a certain point, you want to see something from Darnold to commit to him. So I think there are some teams that don't believe they're in that range that might be. So the ones that are obvious are Jacksonville, and I think Carolina is probably in there. Like If Carolina gets the number one pick, they're going to draft the quarterback, even though Teddy's there. And I think Washington is the other one that might be in the mix for a top five pick if they don't love Haskins. Those are the three that are obvious. I think – and then the Jets are one that's not so obvious. I'm not sure who else is going to fall in there. It's hard to say. The Bears are a team that definitely needs an answer at quarterback. They're a team that's going to be in the mix for one. But if you look around the league, most teams have an answer. It's not necessarily a good answer, but I think most teams have a quarterback plan even beyond 2021. So I think it's going to be interesting to see which teams kind of crop up in there, and I think the Jets are one that might surprise people. So you mentioned the Bears. That's my team. Uh, Mitch is my quarterback. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Mitch is my quarterback. That's what you're supposed to say. I'm so sorry. Um, But my first question, and, and you can answer this however you want to, um, did the Bears tell Tom Brady no because they wanted Mitch? Is that what happened? Oh, I don't think they were ever in the market for Brady. I don't yeah, think just they had the sure. money. No, just I don't think they had the money for Brady. And I, th- I think that Teddy was probably in the same spot where uh, they weren't going to be able to outbid a team like Carolina, nor did they want to. Because if you give a guy $20 million, you're saying he's our starting quarterback. And I don't think they wanted to do that. It's the same reason that they probably weren't in the market for Cam Newton because – the best version of this Bears outcome in their minds was Mitch winning the job and getting better. That, that's, I think in, that's what in their bones, that's the outcome that they wanted. And in order to keep the door open for that, you can't pay a guy $20 million a year. You can't bring in a former MVP like Cam Newton because it's over. The dynamic shift as soon as you do that. By signing full, by trading for Foles and by you know, giving him $20 million guaranteed, it's a big move, but you can still sell Mitchell Trubisky as the starter and Foles as the guy that can come off the bench if you need him. I think they always wanted to do that. It was always going to be a halfway choice, and that's what concerned me. By going halfway, you leave the door open for Mitch, and you, the hope that kind of lingers there I think can torpedo you, and I think that's what's going to happen. They won in week one, but he did not play that well, and I don't have a lot of faith in him playing well moving forward. I, I just think it's going to be another middling season no matter how you cut it. And then where are they left? And I just don't know the answer to that. So, so who would you rather have, Baker or Mitch? Baker. I just think Baker is more talented. I mean, it, and I've had less, a smaller sample of bad play from Baker. So at this point, I'd rather have Baker Mayfield. But it, we keep going down this road. It might be a conversation, you know, eight games from now. It is a really fun dynamic as Bears and Browns fans to watch the games and every pass you think it's an interception or – you, he throws the pass, and you're like, "What? What is? What is he? What is he doing?" And it's, and I, I am always been the guy that's like, and I think it's just like the former athlete, you know, in me that's like, he's trying his best, like root for him, like that helps him so much. If you give him confidence as the fan base, as whatever, do not, do not talk about benching Mitch, like let him do his thing, and. In Chicago, it's hard It's hard to do that, you know? It's a different kind of sport. You, I'm never going to root for a guy to fail. I mean, I, that's just not how I'm going to do it. It's not how I think about football. It's not how I'm wired as a person. But at a certain point, it's up to the front office to not put guys in positions to fail. 
if he's not the guy, it's not his fault that he's not the guy. Mitchell Trubisky is a fantastically talented athlete. You know, he would, the work he's put in to get to this point is undeniably impressive and he should be proud of it, but he is not one of the best 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And he probably shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL to no fault of his own. I'm not, I have no issues with Mitchell Trubisky. I don't wish ill on the man, but I do think that the people making the decisions and trotting him out there to be a starting quarterback probably need to take a real look in the mirror and ask themselves if they're lying to themselves. So before Andrew, I'll let you with the last Bears question, because I got to get it out. Um, what if Mitch played every game as if it was the last six minutes against the Lions in the fourth quarter? Then is he a top 32 quarterback in the NFL? I mean, if, if he is making that throw to Anthony Miller every single time he drops back, then yes. And I, he made some really nice throws in that game. And I really like some of the stuff they did. I think doing using more play action, giving him some defined throws, kind of making sure that he's playing within some sort of structure, giving him defined reads, not letting him get into his own head and deep into plays. That's fine. I think that can absolutely work, but that can work with a lot of quarterbacks. I don't think you should be needing to scheme your number two overall pick to competency. You can get better than that. And I just think that's what they need to do. That's that's it right there though. The fact that we traded it's it's all about obviously about the fact that who we could have had, right? But like the fact that you the exactly how you said it, he's the number two overall pick and we're trying to figure out a way to make him comfortable basically. It's like, come on, man. Like comfortable is fine. Making him having to figure out a way to make him competent is when you know that it's probably time for a change. Like if you need to find a way to make Nick Foles a workable quarterback in the NFL, that's fine. That's what Nick Foles is. But you didn't draft Nick Foles second overall. So there was a lot – there's a lot of new quarterbacks on new teams this year, obviously. (laughs) You know, the Bucs didn't draft a quarterback early because obviously they got Brady. Carolina didn't draft a quarterback because they got Teddy. Um, Patriots go out and get Cam. Do you think we could potentially see a shift – in the next few years where teams like the Chargers who drafted Herbert and and the Dolphins who drafted Tua show a little interest in, hey, maybe we try to get a proven free agent quarterback if they think their core is a little better to work with. I think that that's what you're seeing with the Chargers right now. I don't – if Tua were 100% healthy, I think you'd see him – I mean, I think he might be healthy now. But if he didn't have his injury history and there wasn't a concern about – putting him out there too fast and everything else, I think you'd see him faster than you will this year. The Chargers, I think, are doing that now. And I feel like it's a way to kind of split the difference, right? You want to see what you have with the current iteration of your roster with a certain level of baseline quarterback play with Tyrod. And then when you need to kind of take yourself over the top, you do it with Herbert. I think it's similar to what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. And I think that that's an okay way to approach it. I don't necessarily think you need to throw that guy in there. But I do think that you know, understanding where Tyrod Taylor is probably going to take you and where that ceiling is, is an important part of when you make that decision. So I don't know if – I think teams do it – think about every other team that's done it for the most part. They will draft a quarterback high, sell to you that they're not going to play him, and then four games into the year he's in there anyway. So I do think that the Chargers are in a unique spot where they drafted a quarterback in the top ten when they weren't bad – and Philip Rivers happened to be moving on. For the most part, though, you're drafting a quarterback in the top 10 because you need a quarterback. And I think that's why most teams just go the route of, eh, by week four, he's going to be in there, and that's how we're going to do this. Considering what, what Chase Young did in college and considering what we've already seen him do this early, would you have thought it was crazy if the Bengals signed Cam Newton and drafted Chase Young number one? Yes. Because I, I just feel like with the ceiling that Burrow has and what he could potentially be for you, you have to do that. Because as much as Chase, as good as Chase Young could possibly be, okay, let's say he's Lawrence Taylor. He's probably not. But let's, even let's say he's Khalil Mack, which is not a bad ceiling to have. The best pass rusher in the world is still not a transformative player. And at this point in his career, I don't think Cam Newton is a transformative player. And I don't mean that in what he can do for your offense right now. Look at what Patrick Mahomes has done for Kansas City. 
not just for the success they have on the field, but having that quarterback at the center of everything to be this, the thing you can orbit around to really ground your franchise. That's what you need. That's what you need to truly change where you're going. And I don't think Cam Newton at this stage in his career at age 30 is going to be that. He's not going to be this foundation that you can build on, even if he can still be really good for two to three more years. Joe Burrow is something at his best that can change everything about who you are as an organization. And I think that's why you have to make that choice. Imagine passing up on Patrick Mahomes. Be insane. And Deshaun Watson. Oh, did, <laughs> did someone do that too? Yeah, someone <laughs> did that. Yeah, yeah. It, it really happened. Well, I hope they got someone, uh, you know, I hope they got someone great. And it's, I really I hope, hope they, they did too. Competent. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it ends. Listen, when Mitch is the best quarterback in the NFL at the end of the year, we'll see who gets the last laugh. Uh, if they can schedule the Lions 16 times, they'll be fine. Yeah. Who has more fantasy points this year between That's, those three? It's definitely how I judge my quarterbacks. So let's <laughs> we'll keep riding with that line That's of thought. Good. That's how you got to where you are by judging them based on fantasy points. All right, last, last question that I have for you. Who do you think the best NFL coaching prospect is from college, not named Lincoln Riley? I don't know enough about college football to answer that. I really don't. I, I, I really don't. I, I, it's, I don't watch that much college football. I, it, it's, it's hard for me to say. Like, I don't know who the next Matt Rule is, for example. Like, I guess I'd probably say Ryan Day because I know his yeah. name. I don't, that, that's really all I got. People seem to love him. And, I mean, what he's been able to do already and just how good those teams have looked, I mean, I think that's he's probably on people's radars. But I don't know enough about, like, the second tier of college football coaches to actually give you an answer to that. It's funny because, like, that's such a weird dynamic for a, for a college fan base. Is like, obviously, how cool would it be for your coach to be chosen to go to the NFL, but at the same time, like, you don't want him to go. I don't want him to go, obviously. I mean, he's got – he's He's kept the powerhouse going if we even have a season this year. But um, that's an interesting dynamic. And I, the fact that Matt Rule is the guy that people set their sights on, it's like I, like I watch a ton of college football and I couldn't even tell you who, who the next best guy is. Well, I think the Matt Rule thing is really interesting because he kind of threads the needle that you need for poaching a guy from college. Because if you're Dabo Sweeney, for example, right, or Lincoln Riley, why would you leave? Like, no. what upside is there? You're making, what, $8 million a year probably as the head coach of Clemson or Ohio State or Oklahoma, for example. You have complete curation of your program. You can – And the universities. Yes. I mean, you, it just – I – and I think it really speaks to, you know, the guys that have made that jump, right? Like Nick Saban going. And Nick Saban comes from the NFL, so I guess that's a little bit different. But I just think it's such an ego thing, and it's so – it's such a window into the way these guys are wired. If I was sitting somewhere and I was making $5 million a year and I was very good at my job, I don't think I would have just the wiring as a person to say, this is not enough for me. I need to prove myself at the highest level. I'd be like, you know what? This is great. I really appreciate this job. I'm good to go. I have a really nice life. And that's what I would do. And I feel like it's not an accident that the college coaches we've seen jump to the NFL over the last couple of years are Cliff Kingsbury and Matt Rule. It's just guys that don't have that security at these massive schools. So are you saying the that the only, ringer the only was not paying you five million a year? The ringer was not paying me five million dollars a year. I, I am happy to to communicate that to you guys. I don't feel like that should be a secret. Um, uh, my last question uh, is: Give us your, and I'm sure you've already said this somewhere, but for the people of the driving lane people, give us your awards of relevancy, whether that MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. Super Bowl That's not fair. You should have asked me before the season kicked off. So because now, now I want to change no. them. No, no, this is this is good. This is what the people want. Well, so it's the fluid. ones I picked before. So I, you know, I'm going to stick to the ones I picked before the season. I'm not a coward. Right. So I I still picked I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. I just feel like they have the deepest team in the NFL. Their offense was concerning on Sunday, but their their defense was incredible. But the fact that you have guys like Trey Hendrickson and Janoris Jenkins and you know, these guys down the depth chart making these sorts of plays, uh, that's why this team is dangerous. There's so many different ways of beating you. 
hearing like robot noise in my ears. You guys hearing that? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Joey, is that you? No, there's no, literally no sound. Oh no, it's you. Yeah, I just muted you, so it's definitely you, Joey. That's okay. Here, Joey, talk now. Unmute yourself. Hello. Okay, right, that's good. It's gone. It, it was fun. It was fine before. I'm so, glad I showed up. Yeah, I am a robot. It's a little little weird that that happened live, but I'm a robot. I so I was having. Uh, so yeah, the Saints. I just I think that they're so deep, and Michael Thomas. Hopefully, we back. Hopefully, he'll be healthy. They can weather the storm. I think they can win some ugly games in the meantime as they try to figure out their offense. But I really do feel like they're just such a complete team. So I'm still picking them. Uh, I picked Dak Prescott to win MVP. I just thought that the Cowboys' offense would be really good from day one. You know, people tend to get tired of the same old guys. So I think Mahomes. Is still so fresh in everyone's minds for what he did, even if he didn't win the award last year. I think Lamar would have to be truly spectacular to win it again. Uh, the offensive line for Dallas is concerning to me. I think what they showed against the Rams, he was constantly under pressure. I think it affected what they could do. So hopefully they can kind of right that ship a little bit. Uh, defensive player of the year, I picked Trey White. I, I still think that could happen. You know, when you think about what happened with Stephon Gilmore last year, I think you have to be the best player on a season-defining type of defense. And I think the Bills could be that. I think they could be a 12-win team and get the number one seed in the AFC possibly if they can kind of sneak around Kansas City or Baltimore. And if they have the number one or number two seed, they win that division going away. We're going to be talking a lot about their defense because these awards are so narrative-driven that I feel like and that's really how you win them. But, yeah, I think those are the big three. I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. I picked Dak to win MVP. And I picked Trey White to be the defense player of the year. Those are all – I think I agree with a lot of them. I, I, I might go uh, – I think I have to erase my Baker MVP vote after week one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Um, but, I like to pick guys that are just a little bit different because like, if you, if you I, pitch Patrick Mahomes, then you're right. Who gives a shit? Like, I mean, it just right. doesn't matter. I, I had Dak, so I'm with you. The only, the only thing that I um, – bizarre one, the only other pick that I was interested in is most, most receiving yards. That's the only oh, interesting. I made. So I'm curious. Oh, I think, think Devontae Adams is is definitely the, the best candidate for that. I probably would have thought that before the season. I mean, I, coming in, I, I loved him in fantasy. I thought that he was – when I try to pick my fantasy receivers, it's always about targets. Like, I mean, just he's the number one factor every single time. And I thought he was a prime candidate to lead the league in targets with Emmanuel Sanders coming to New Orleans and everything else. I mean, uh, Kamara probably being healthy for most of the year. And I still think he will. I mean, I, I'm writing about him for The Athletic for Thursday. I think that this is the year that he truly kind of ascends into that elite receiver group because of how much turnover there's been at that position. I mean, think about Antonio Brown is out of the league. Odo Beckham's on the trade block. DeAndre Hopkins just switched teams. We'll see what happens over the course of the year. He was really good last week. Michael Thomas is out for a month. So it just feels like there's been so much uncertainty at that position. I think this is the year we're going to truly understand that Devontae Adams is like one of the best five receivers in the league when he's healthy. So you're you're the expert, but something we like to do, and then we'll let you go. Any questions for us? You know our Ohio State allegiance. You know we're Browns and Bears guys. Any questions you have for us, now is the time to ask them. I, I think that I, I had my question answered. I was just a little bit interested in how Browns fans are feeling about Baker, but you've communicated it to me. I, I, I feel much better about – confidently going into the world and being able to say, yeah, I think this is how they're feeling right now. You can use me as a source. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I just, sometimes I like to talk to fan bases. I would always, when I would go travel on the road, I'd just go, you know, have dinner at a bar or whatever, just talk to people about how they're feeling about the team or, you know, how they're feeling about specific players or strike up conversations. Cause I always think it's interesting to talk to actual fans of different teams and take their temperature about stuff. Cause it's important. You know, it's, it's good to know because I think it speaks to the overall experience about engaging with and watching a team in an in-depth way. So it's good to know that you're very concerned. And I, I would be as well if I were you. Well, I appreciate your concern for my concern. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Mays, thank you for uh, joining the Drive the Lane podcast. Next time we'll do a Mizzou segment where we just make Joey uncomfortable and only talk about Mizzou. That sounds great. I appreciate you guys. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. Of course. I'll see you guys later.
Hope you enjoyed that expert interview from Robert Mays, the official drive the lane NFL analyst. We'll say that moving oh, forward. Wow. Okay. <laughs> he did not accept that, but the offer, the offer is pending. Um, but yeah, that, that was a great interview. We, you know, we talked a little about the Washington Buckeyes, go to the ZDNetwork.com, click shop. You know, we've seen uh, people posting their drive the lane shirts, which is really cool. Uh, I meant to say towel gang shirts, which is also yeah, kind of I mean, going. I just w- it, it would you know you know it would be nice if we pushed the towel gang shirts as many times as you've said the Washington Buckeyes and gone like this with your t-shirt. Be nice, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean maybe if you uh, you know bought one, then bizarre then, that I would buy my own shirt. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, would be weird. But either way, buy the Did Washington you buy Buckeyes that, shirt that you're wearing. Did you buy it? Yeah, buy the Washington Buckeye shirt, buy the Joshua Perry show, buy Towel Gang, buy some more Towel Gang. Josh Schaffner, the fact that you haven't sent us a picture of you wearing a Towel Gang shirt is a little ridiculous. It should be illegal. But whatever, we'll get over it. We don't hold grudges. Uh, Joey, anything else? I got nothing else. Um, Our fantasy teams suck. yeah, Yeah, I guess we could get into that real quick. (laughs) <laughs> my team, my first two picks combined for, wait for it, in one league, wait for it, five points. Well, you got to explain. You got to explain. And in the other league, it was 15. And the reason, is, the reason is I have Miles Sanders in both leagues. And Andrew sent me the greatest text I've ever gotten in my life Saturday when he, it was a screenshot of Adam Schefter tweet that said Miles Sanders didn't even make the trip. So, um, yeah, shout out to, to Daniel Poneman, who represents Miles Sanders. A big reason why I have him on my team. He's my close friend. Um, and I had him on my team last year, and I dropped him. And then he was unbelievable at the end of the year. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make that mistake again. And here we are. So my team sucks. I'm making – I'm trying to make trades. I have the waiver. I literally am – I have five waiver things put in. For, I mean, like my – oh, sorry. My tight end also tore his ACL in the first quarter. So Yeah, I, I have mean, him too. I, I did not uh, – whatever. <laughs> so, you know, my team sucks also, but I'm a little less worried because I have Mahomes and McCaffrey, which there will be yeah, weeks like, where – I don't just, have any I – don't, I don't have anyone. <laughs> you know what I'm very excited about is in the description of this episode, it's going to be – Andrew and Joey talk Buckeyes in the NFL, who they start a franchise with, you know, Browns and Bears, NBA. Then Robert Mays joins the show. And finally, Joey's fantasy team sucks. And that's going to be the description of the episode. That's fine. This can be a weekly segment. I'm afraid it's going to be a weekly segment. But that's okay. I um, What's crazy is my team stinks, but, like, they haven't all been together yet. You know, we haven't gotten that, you know, short year, like we mentioned with Robert Mays, right? Like the communication's not there yet. The timing between Kyler Murray and DJ Moore was evident this past week, you know? So I, I'm not worried, not, not excited, but I'm not worried. The only thing I, I should have not drafted a quarterback until the very end and got Mitch. That's what I should have done because Mitch had more fantasy points than Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And that was the biggest mistake I made. Bigger than drafting Cam Akers in the fifth round who didn't get touches at the goal line. Bigger than drafting DJ Moore, uh, even though he had nine targets. It's all about targets, like Robert May said. Um, I, did a similar, what, what I, I did a similar thing with Cam Akers, but I still, I still have faith in him. Yeah, so do I. I'm banking on a lot of rookies. A lot of rookies. So That's your strategy. Yeah, that was my strategy last year, too, and it worked. So, we'll see. I mean, I'm going to pick up Paris Campbell hopefully tomorrow. Um, some other – whatever, bro. I, I don't know. Whatever. All right. Well, while Joey uh, while Joey has some moments with himself to deal with his fantasy team, we'll sign off. Buckle up. Drive the lane. Joe? My, my team name is hashtag towel gang. Um, I'm thinking about changing it. If anyone has any suggestions, please let me know. I, last year was drive the lane pod. Maybe I'll change it to that. Um, but without further ado, go Buckeyes. Well, I got to say, before we say go Buckeyes, the fact that you changed your name after winning a championship 
is kind of the reason why you, it was, your team is your team is struggling. No, no, no. You know what it is though. I kept it for the draft, and I drafted such a gosh darn terrible team that I was like, I already need to change the momentum. <laughs> Seriously, that's what happened. I drafted a team, and I was like, this team is not worthy of hash of of drive the lane pot. They're just not. It's not worthy. So, Fair enough. All right, say it one more time so we can end how we always end. You're watching Drive the Lane, a Zedia production. Hope you guys have enjoyed. You can take your seatbelts off and relax. You've, we've come to our destination. Hopefully you're listening to this and there's Big Ten football. Go Buckeyes. <laughs>